In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is a special Broads and Books bonus episode. If you listen to our regular episodes on Wednesdays, you know we tell you about our favorite books based on different weekly themes. We get super nerdy about books. Super nerdy. And the authors that write the books we love, they get nerdy about books too. That's what this bonus series is all about. And today, we are hearkening back, way back, to our very first episode. Back. Back, back, back. The way back. Last year. Oh, before Corona, before all of this. Yes. Where I recommended Friday Black, a collection of short stories that blew my freaking mind. In this bonus episode, we are talking to the person who did that to me and so many readers, Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. We got Nana on Zoom. And he is a fantastic book nerd, Which too. Which is such a fun thing to discover. It is. Mm-hmm. And in this discussion, there's so much more. He talks the betrayal of reading Frankenstein as a kid. Yeah. How his writing students don't hold back. How he drives fans to tears. Mm-hmm. And who turned him into the ultimate fanboy. Nana mentions some terrific books, and you'll find all of them in the show notes on your podcast player and our website. If you've subscribed to Broads and Books in your favorite podcast player, you'll get each of these bonus episodes right to you. But you can also find them at our website, broadsandbooks.com. And now, here's our interview with Nana Kwame Ajebrenya. Tell us a little bit, did you have a favorite book or a couple books as a kid or a teen, if you remember? I'm part of like the... I consider like the OG Harry Potter generation. So of course it's like, that's like a huge thing. 
Bud Not Buddy. There's a book called Bud Not Buddy that I grew up with. And I just remember being like, oh, I love this particular thing for some reason. And it was also sort of about, I don't know, just a young person growing up. I remember the third life of Grange Copeland was big and I was my introduction to Alice Walker sort of. And I real it made me realize I liked, I was a little older, I was in high school for that, but I realized I liked when a reader, I mean, author could make me really, really like hate someone and then really, really care and love them. And then maybe go back again, back and forth. Um, which I think is, I'm interested in, in my work, that's sort of like sort of essential humanity that like, you know, can't be maybe pulled away. Yeah, also just serial sci-fi streaming like Pendragon series. When we were when I was really young, we like you said, like these like sort of fantasy serial stuff and would pass them around. Yeah, so that kind of thing. It was all over the place. I had no sense growing up of like any type of quote unquote literary sort of that whole thing. I just sort of read that what seemed interesting, what came up, and it ended up being pretty broad in terms of genre or whatever. One of the things that we talk about a lot or that we hear a lot when people talk about their reading lives is that they were somewhat stunted at some point in school because of a classic they were forced to read. And we've talked about how it was Moby Dick for us, but is there a classic that you remember struggling with or thinking like, this is not, I'm not connecting with this at all. Um, The one that jumps into my mind really quickly was Frankenstein. It's a pretty slow book. It is. (laughs) It is. For a monster, for like what you think you're going to get because of the name. <laughs> it takes a long um, time to get to the monster. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of walking. It's like, yeah. Um, but I can't even say I hated that book. I, I was I was pretty early. At that time, I was invested in like being a good reader for some reason. Like I, I liked my English teachers. I forgot this book. I had to go to my school for some, I went, I didn't have to, but I went to my former school for some like, let's talk to the kids. And one of my high school teachers was like, oh, Nana used to um, have like the book I was reading at the time for class, like in like the netting of my book bag so you could see it. And I don't, I, I, and then she's like, cause he wanted people to know he was like well read, you know? <laughs> and I don't remember, I don't remember like having said it to her, but I was like, that sounds right, you know? So I, I'm sure there's a time, yeah. but Frankenstein, I remember as being yeah. like, sort of, I'm forcing myself to push through this. And you're right. That is a, such a letdown, especially as a kid. You're like, this is going to be cool. It's going to be monsters. And then it's just boring. It was just too early for me to have it. Yeah. You know, I, I have, if I, if I ever visited now, I'm sure maybe my reading would be different. I was like 15 or 16. <laughs> you know well we talk about that sometimes sometimes it's such a disservice to give kids some of these books at such a young age because there's nothing yeah. to really get into and, yeah i haven't trained them to really really think of reading something that they can love yet like, i feel like they have to build that engagement that like initial initial engagement which requires i think meeting them where they're at in terms of like representation and seeing themselves in the work in some way and so throwing them into some of these quote-unquote canon classics not only are they not represented but like the authors might have never even considered them as like where i'm from even really people (laughs) and so like it's like why uh, yeah so it's um it's definitely uh it can be a problem for a lot of reasons you had a couple authors say that that they 
feel like they read books later and they thought, oh my gosh, if my younger self had encountered this so that I could have seen myself in literature, how much different that would have been right. for my trajectory or path, you know, just to be, have some representation somewhere. And I didn't get that until I was an adult and could seek it out on my own. Yes. Did you, yeah. When you were reading some of the books that you were enjoying or some of the books in class, did you, do you remember having a book that made you think this is what I want to do? I want to write. I want to do something like this. There was a big disconnect for a very long time between myself and that, that kind of idea. Yeah. Uh, I just had no access really to like the idea that I myself could do that too. It just didn't seem realistic for me, even though I, that one of my high school teachers, like later on in my high school career, brought this author and she was a, she had written a book. It was my first time seeing a real human being that had written a book. And the connection still didn't really quite land, even though I think in that, I know that in that time period, I started writing. So it was almost like this weird double thing that was happening that I knew I liked writing. I was writing, but I hadn't quite been able to think that even humans that are real can be writers, let alone myself. Uh, but I, um, I thought, but still around that time, a lot of the, those sort of, I, I, the third of Grant Copeland made me feel like something important. You know, mm-hmm. and then obviously, obviously the Harry Potter books made me feel something. A lot of them, um, like manga, I was reading, and that's similar sort of serial fashion. My friends made me feel something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until probably it wasn't until college where I started allowing myself to be part of that thing I was feeling, mm-hmm. in a direct a or a way I was conscious of. Yeah, that's a huge step, and we've heard that too. That there is such a like even when you meet someone who's actually put a book out in the world, there's such a huge amount of steps to get from your brain to thinking that that could potentially be you. It's it, it and part of the I think part of the problem is when we characterize authors or people who craft things and sort of in ways of like showing respect and honor, we like make them feel very distant from a normal person. And a lot of my like pedagogy in my classroom, especially, is sort of breaking that down. Mm-hmm. I let my I let my students' workshop me. And let them let them know, like I'm I'm just a person. I'm not like some other thing. Because I think it's it's really important for artists for arts like to like not be like you only get to see this final product that's the end of like several years of work. Yeah. But I write horrible trash every time to the computer, you know. So it's uh, I think that there's a big disconnect in terms of what the actual process is and what. Uh, people are imagining and some of that's getting broken down by the access that social media or whatever has created but still I think it's important mm-hmm. have you ever had any hard feedback from your students oh tons they are <laughs> really harsh they're really harsh um I go first sometimes they sometimes I don't tell them it's me oh, <laughs> uh, that's a good trick um, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but I mean, they're, 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 I mean, I've done it once for my high school. I do. I was doing the summer camp thing in like Stanford for high school kids. They were really mean. <laughs> I told them that they were nice. My, my my college kids are. They're really nice. Everyone's sort of cool. They know because for me it's a vulnerability thing, and and I like a really a really really round table, and so I like them to know like I too have offered myself in this vulnerable way as a way of fostering that kind of environment across the board. 
But um, yeah, I have for sure got. Also, I do in earnest. <laughs> like I, I, I've taken, I've got feedback that I take. You know. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's not like just an exercise. It's a real thing. Thinking a little bit about your reading life now, um, how many books would you say are on your to be read pile, and are there a few that you'd be willing to share? I love this. We get visual aids. I know. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Some of them I've already read, and I'm re-looking at. First, I, I've already read this, but I was re-looking at it because of No Name. She does a book club, Audrey um, Lords, yeah. my sister outside. This feels like really good, like right now, mm-hmm. or important right now. Then the rest of the I'll, I'll do one more nonfiction, then um, the rest of the nonfiction. Uh, this is Aftershocks. I don't, this book is not out yet. It's by Nadia Wusu. I'm going to have two books that are not out yet, which is very annoying, but I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I bet a lot you get of stuff so many to, requests, right? For like. Blurb, yeah. I've yeah. read this one already. It's a super, she's a Ghanaian, I'm Ghanaian as well, um, Ghanaian uh, American author. Super, it's super smart, really uh, sort of heartbreaking, good book. Uh, and these two, I'm. Um, trying to get to now uh you might have seen this because it's got things getting a lot of the buzz is that what they say in the biz mm-hmm. luster this book luster the novel i haven't mm-hmm. seen that being passed around in lists mm-hmm. yeah it is great it's great Look. i think it's spectacular i'm actually like it's just one of those things that like i get a certain feeling with books that i really love and it just feels like you know you feel inspired and you want to like I don't know. It makes you want to write super. What they're saying is true. What you have heard is true. And then, um, uh, such a fun age. I'm going to read that after Lester. Do you, you know, you mentioned a couple that you're reading slash rereading right now, but anything you've read lately that's just really surprised you, just kind of blown you away? Everywhere You Don't Belong kind yeah. of goes into that. I hate to comp everything. But it, but it reminded me almost like of of uh, Dennis Johnson, who I really, really love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which a lot of people, I'm sure, try to do, but mm-hmm. it was just really, really a solid novel. Um, how do you normally find your book recommendations? So many of these get, not forced on me, but like, uh, <laughs> it's like they kind of like blurb on their way. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I'm sort of very behind on that side stuff and, I, and i'm a slow reader i'm a very slow reader so um well so this getting yeah. books must be kind of a nightmare slash good thing at the same time <laughs> i i'm easily overwhelmed yes yeah um, <laughs> and i live in new york like i said like you can't i don't know if you can see my bookshelf but like it's like it's overstuffed but uh, it's a good problem to have yes yeah well i imagine you're getting a lot of blurb requests because of friday black and we we recommended it in our very first episode, actually, uh, last year. Cool. Now, so you mentioned some of the things that you read as a kid, you know, a lot of sci-fi, fantasy, that kind of stuff that probably, I imagine, influenced some of Friday Black. But anything else that you can think of, any other books or authors that you really think influenced some of your writing? Yes. There? By the time I was really, really getting serious, there's a couple that I think really, at the time where I was like deciding this and I could do what I want to do, I have certain people in my mind that, Mm-hmm. I mean, George Saunders yeah. is one of my professors and good friends now. Um, ZZ Packer, who wrote Drinking Coffee Elsewhere. Yeah. That was a very, that was a super important collection for me to, to read. I first read the story Brownies in college. So that was big for me. Um, there's a, it's like a, Jesus' Son was yeah. another one. Like, I mean, which is, 
so some of these are like every person with MFA type titles. But um, <laughs> Jesus' son was together, a, right. Yeah, I liked Jesus' son a lot. I because of the way I'd read, I had I hadn't necessarily been exposed to. I mean, I don't think people would call him experimental or whatever, but like, if you've read a certain type of thing and you get ex- exposed to him, it suddenly feels very different. Mm-hmm. And like, the possibility sort of felt open. And then, um, of course, stuff like Song of Solomon. And then, and then going back to their life of Grand Copen was like, oh, like, there's like, I think I see like something that matters to me and something that this can be used in this way that's purposeful and I don't know, and different. So those are some of the people that I think I think of most, especially when I was like deciding that I was gonna consider myself like this is something I'm overtly in my own mind trying to do. Yeah. At the end of each one we like to ask kind of these five questions that are a little mm-hmm. bit maybe off the reading topic. But um first we want to know what was your weirdest, funnest most touching, whatever you want to use, fan interaction. Oh, man. <laughs> we have heard letters from jail. We have heard people <laughs> getting um, tattoos, accosted and accused of having too much trauma. We've heard a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to go to the good side because oh, I don't even <laughs> want my brain to go into the, the weird side. <laughs> and there's some weird things and like somewhat inappropriate behavior. It's like I said, the internet stuff is just makes things weird. This is just coming to my mind because it was it happened. Uh, it's happened other times, but this time it happened in a way that was more surprising to me because it's my first book. So it's weird if like someone um, sees you and like bursts into tears, you know? Oh wow! And that yeah, and that stuff happened a couple of times. But in um, in Parnassus, one of the booksellers there who actually was like kind of running the event was super nice and I, I'm not forgetting her name like an asshole uh, but and, and to be fair she had I think they have a wine bar in there or they have I think she wasn't a hundred percent sober <laughs> but um but she was like crying and I was like oh you know <laughs> yeah, how do you <laughs> that like what? it's a lot to respond to and also, like, I had to realize, oh, she's not, like, kidding. It seems like it's like a joke or something. Again, that was earlier on in, like, the tour. That was probably November. The book had been, definitely had been out three months. So she had gotten it earlier, though. She had got, she's a bookseller. She had gotten early. But um, it was a lot. So that was something. But then, yeah, that was, that was a ton. On Instagram, I have a lot of, like, cool interactions. People, like, say, super nice things. I've become very like hypervigilant about messages and stuff because so often it's requiring you to do something and it's stressful for me and my anxiety goes crazy all the time over every little thing. And um, but once in a while you're going to uh, messages and it's just someone saying something really, really nice or uh, like how it helped them or now they found their passion and I've had students, they want to, they've written poet poems in, res- in response. That's just really cool. The one that just happened, this person is, um, disabled and immune, uh, um, immunocompromised. And so they haven't left their home in a year, they said. Oh and, um, or this year. And um, the, the book, like, it just, just helped them pass the time, you know, helped them feel like, and that was a big deal to me. And they didn't, 
they weren't necessarily able to uh, buy because they had borrowed it from a friend. And they were just saying, thank you for writing it, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I sent them a copy yesterday. So that kind of stuff feels cool. Yeah. But now you can always say you cause people to burst into tears. And that's something, you know? That is something. It was either me or the Pinot Grigio, but <laughs> it was something. You know, when you were, um, <laughs> when you were first uh, on tour or maybe in the initial, uh, you know, phases of getting the, the book out there, did you get to meet anyone that you really admired or wanted to meet another author? Oh, yeah. Tons. I'm not easily the literary world starstruck or whatever. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> at the Penn Awards, I don't know who said it, but someone was like, oh, my God, look behind you, look behind you. And we turned around and it was like Sadie Smith was there. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, and I just remember thinking, I hope the back of my head looks really cool right now. <laughs> um, as um, <laughs> and, and I didn't know, her, you know, I don't know her. I didn't know her. I saw her like at the door and I was like, I don't know how to like do this, but I don't want her to leave and I don't say something. I really love Zadie Smith, by the way, also, I guess it's like, that's not clear. And then um, I had to like, like tap her like on the shoulder just a little bit, you know? And I felt even that felt like a huge intrusion, but I was like, I, I, I don't want to say Zadie or like Miss Smith or <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. I just, I tapped her a little bit and she turned around like, oh, hey, it's you. Like, like she did this, like, I thought that was such a nice thing. Like, I know you are, like that thing, you know. I mean, I had, I had won one of the awards, so like, but still, she made it like very nice. And then she started talking to me like she knew, like, oh, my, I gave your book to my, my my brother and this whole thing. She's super cool. I took a picture and I was very, very like, I think she's such a dope person. She's so cool. Um, So author-wise, that's probably like, there's only a couple of people that I would really like, you know, be like that about. And some of them I've even interacted with, and I still feel like with Roxanne Gay, I still feel some measure of that. Even I've never met um, her in real, per- in real life, but like her, when, like if you interact on Twitter, I feel very, very humbled and <laughs> uh, like moved by that. There's, a, there's tons though. I could go off for days. I, I'm, I, I met Deborah Eisenberg, and we were like became friends, and that was like super cool. Yeah, like. Um, uh, not exactly the same, but LeVar Burton was at the, and I met him. I got a picture with him. Oh, at that's, the, that's big. Yeah, he hosted. He hosted the the book awards, and I got a picture with him too. So, but I, but I also like even meeting people who like aren't as like have been in as long. Meeting Carmen Maria Machado was huge for me. Oh, yeah. and, how was she? Um, how was that? In so she is so awesome. She's so funny and cool, and like. You know, like chill, you know, and she likes like dog stuff. So, so I, I've met a lot of people like I, I, that I respect already. They've also been cool in their life. So, and that goes with I already lo- rocked with Tommy Orange before he wrote my review, and then now we're cool. It's been lucky that way. But Zadie Smith is the one I brag about the most because it's like, <laughs> That's a big one. and apparently <laughs> your head looks great. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe she's uh, yeah, yeah. Right. We always we always love hearing that some of our favorite authors are just chill and really yeah. cool. I've been so lucky because you hear so many horror stories. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, yeah, I've been lucky so far. They've been very cool, in my experience. And George, everyone knows George is like, 
I was like that. George is really the answer, but I've become cool with him now. But when I first met him, it was I was I was actually hard for me to even speak, and like I wasn't I wasn't funny. I was really weird and awkward. It was pretty bad, um, very spazzish for like a, not for like a day or two, like probably a year and a half. <laughs> and then, um, oh, no, like it affected my work in his class. It affected my work in his class. I was so in my head about it. He's the most every everything you've heard about him is again true. He's super awesome, super kind, super warm, super smart. Really good about talking about stories. A good line editor. I think we nothing bad to say about it. We talked to Chanel Benz, and she was saying some of the same things about George. Chanel is awesome. Q Smob. We're all part of the Syracuse gang. Um, Yes. Yeah, she is amazing. Yeah. How would you say that your reading life has changed since you became an author or published writer? Now I read galleys that are given to me in advance. <laughs> Do you have free books? Exclusively. <laughs> um, no. Um, prior to this, I was an MFA, so I felt my MFA is really like a, a, a under under like estimated part of it is you're getting like a greatly curated reading list from a lot of different people. And I, I was introduced to poetry that way. I was reading a lot. I felt I've have to be a lot more intentional now um, about it, as well, especially regarding books that are given to me with the purpose of blurbing. Which is just to me, it's I love luster because I forget that totally as I'm reading it. Yeah. Um, and that's not always the case necessarily. You know, luster. I'm just like in it, and I'm like, this book is awesome. You know, I'm not thinking about anything else but that. Uh, so I wasn't thinking about that for aftershocks. Aftershocks, I was just like, oh my god! Like, especially as a Ghanaian, I was like, there's so I've never felt this this side of myself represented in a thing I've read ever, you know. So um, I've been lucky in that sense. I I I also have like sort of this broad respect, or like, wow, you did that, and you had to traverse whatever weirdness that it comes with the publishing space. And you still got your work out in the in the way I seem that you wanted, and I respect that. Some of the things maybe you've been reading, or some of your favorites overall. Do you think there's a book that you wish everyone would read? Like in this moment, right now, yeah. another book I I had to blur, but I'm I mean it, and I said this already. It's Michael um, Denzel Smith's uh, "Stakes Is High." It's really, 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 really about like right now. And I'm not usually one to like ever be like um, pushing like nonfiction. So this is like a different time for me, I guess. And I also, I also, I also don't subscribe to like the idea that because the world is such a dumpster fire now, we should read nonfiction. I don't, it just happens that I think fiction does just as much of the important work as anything else. It just so happens that that particular book is essential to me in my mind right now. And then if I could make everyone read a book. Think of this power that you have. Right now. <laughs> it's just too much. It's just too much. I can't. I'm like trying to think of which of Toni Morrison's books it should be. Really. Oh, yeah. Um, but honestly, though, even like a book like I, I, I'm going to like just cop out and not give a good answer. Just say stakes is high, I guess. That is <laughs> such a good book and everyone should read it. I'm not sure. I think it comes out very soon. Um, all of Toni Morrison, too. Just all of All of her. Yeah. Maybe like, uh, yeah. But if everyone read Sister Outsider, like if everyone in the whole world read Audre Lorde, you know, mm-hmm. the world would for sure be a better place. Yeah. You know, like for sure it'd be better in so many ways. 
Well, the last thing uh, we usually talk about in the podcast is our uh, most current pop culture obsession. So do you have one that you'd be willing to share? I really like Rami, the show on Hulu. I've been hearing good things. And I just listened to a podcast of him talking about his writing process. I'm also, you know, we're adapting some of this, the book for a TV. And I really liked hearing about his process in his writer's room. I play Overwatch on Xbox. Yeah. Um, that's like a video game. Uh, I was just talking on Twitter about how the community is often super, super horrendous. But if you find a good group to play with, they're okay. Yeah, you you mentioned um, adapting your show. What's uh, yeah. what's new there? What's the latest that you can share? Yeah, uh, I, isn't it funny? I have all these things on hand. This is my desk, so I have it all here. You can't. I don't know if you can see it. This is like like a, a bound copy oh. of like the draft. It says um, it's the Phoenix Five in episode form. I don't know how much I'm about to say beyond that. Uh, I wrote it. Uh, yeah, we're trying to we're, we're trying to do a, a show using a lot of the stories. We had so much fun chatting to you. I hope yeah. it was a good time. Well, yeah. Of course, very fun. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. I really do appreciate it. I hope you can stay well, and hopefully there are not too many people fighting over wearing masks over there in Iowa. Well, there are, but we can. Yeah. We just don't go outside. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I always love asking authors mm-hmm. is about books they struggled with. It's so fun because yes. you, yeah, you hear all sorts of stories about, man, yes. schools can suck right? at this stuff. Yeah. But his in particular about Frankenstein <laughs> and what you think it's going to be yes. and then the reality of what it is. Yes. And he also hit on an important point that we made that some of these things are just introduced too early. That, too early. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, he also made a great point, which we've heard from other authors as well, that if maybe he had just seen himself in some books too, yes. that could have been huge. Could have been very helpful. Absolutely. He also said that he couldn't really, we asked him, you know, like what made him think he could be a writer. And he said it was a hard, it was a big disconnect for a while, which I think we've heard from other authors too, mm-hmm. because we sort of put authors up at like a distance and we only look at their finished works and don't really think about and talk about all the hard work they put in. Yes. Yeah. I also love that he is um, so real and vulnerable with his students and that they take advantage of that and do not hold back. <laughs> when I asked that, I thought for sure some of the students would be like, oh, I don't, you know, yeah. I don't want to do that. I think that's how I would I be think too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be way too in my own head about yes. that. Yeah. You'd be like, everything you write is brilliant. And he said that some of the stuff is great, like on point mm-hmm. that he takes some of the criticism, which mm-hmm. is fascinating to me that's awesome i'm just very inspired by and and impressed by the confidence of those students right yeah yeah um i really liked uh the fans who burst into tears at the sight of him Mm -hmm. and he liked to sort of you know explain it away by talking about wine i don't think that's the Mm -hmm. right explanation i don't think so Mm -mm. i think he doesn't understand how cool he is really yeah and the power that he's has to make someone burst into tears. Exactly. That's a skill. That is a, a skill. <laughs> and I'm not going to say I wouldn't want it. For sure. It's, I want that ability. Yeah. What a compliment. And I, I, I mean, know, like, I don't know way. how it, <laughs> and, and what do you do in that situation? Like, how do you react? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't know what to like, what, what happened? Did you hurt yourself? Yeah. Like, I, that's where my mind would go. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then I would be super awkward. Yes. Sometimes also I have a really bad 
where I cry if other people cry. So then I can oh, burst God. into tears oh, no. and things then, that would be... Then it'll be all over. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very weird. Um, his whole description of meeting Zadie Smith and what do you do? Do you tap her on the shoulder? I was hoping the back of my head looked good. <laughs> and what do you call her? Yes. Zadie, Ms. Smith. Oh, yeah. yeah. So relatable. So relatable. And amazing. <laughs> that that's how he took because that's how I would feel too yeah. yeah like I love all the questions that we ask but sometimes that brings out the best stories when yes. you hear how they're just fans too mm-hmm. and they get real tongue-tied yeah yeah um I I loved it too we just checked in at the end on what's new and how he's adapting his book he's adapting it he showed right? us a screenplay yeah which that is going to make a ama- it's going to be amazing oh god I can't it's going to be yeah. so good so good yeah yes well that was such a fun discussion. Mm-hmm. We will be back next Wednesday with our regular weekly themed episodes. And in the meantime, head to our website. You'll find all of them. You can listen to them now. This is a great time to listen while you're outdoors, social distancing, and you don't want to talk yes. to the person that's trying to get too close to you. Listen yes. to us and just be like, oh, sorry, I'm listening. Right. I, got, I, got, this is I got something going I got, on. See my headphones? Yeah. And my mask. We are saving you. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like we said, this is a new series of bonus episodes we're providing. Check in. Have you seen them all? We had Mona Wah. We had Angie Kim. We had Alex Marzano Lesnovich. We had Andrea Lawler. That's just a few. And also, that's impressive, and I'm impressed with us. Yeah. We talked to some amazing people. Julia Phillips. Yeah. Matthew Kaye. Ugh. Hallie. And now Nana. Yes. Yeah. Killer. Mm-hmm. And we're all best friends with them now. Yeah, clearly. That's what yeah. we think. So obviously, obviously they do too. Yes. They should be getting our best friend necklaces in the mail this week. <laughs> We started mass producing them so that they know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've got tons to help you figure out what to read next and make you laugh. And hey, if you if we've done that, why don't you give us a review? Tell us how you like these interviews. Tell us how you like our weekly episodes as well. If you've been listening to our regular themed episodes, you know we've taken some great listener ideas too. So if you have a theme suggestion or a challenge, send it our way. You can find us in all the normal places, website, social media. We're not hiding. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. I cause their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. Witch. Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor, the final evidence, the heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You, you, you hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not, that's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? 
Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.